Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And today we are finally back, and I'm sorry, but my dog ate my homework, so I couldn't be here for two weeks. No, actually, that is a shitty excuse, and there's no excuse, actually, I think, for us not being around for two weeks. We had, like, we were traveling and so on, but I guess, you know, that's the summer break. Well, hopefully we'll be back weekly right now. Obviously, it's still July, so distractions are coming up, and festivals in Budapest and all these things, so we'll do our best. But we're definitely on a slightly lighter schedule right now, and today... We're going to do something that we promised we would do at the beginning of the year, and we're going to do that with Mark. So how's it going, Mark, by the way? It's going great. I'm going to said festival this afternoon, so trying to get this out of the <laughs> way so we can get this going out on Monday, no problems. Yeah, I actually have also an Age Pro webinar next week as well that I'm planning out right now. Anyway, today we're going to do something that we promised we would do at the beginning of the year, which is a quality update of the stuff we are doing. Obviously, we're getting... As much detail as we can about that, but we have a lot of people that you know watch what we do and directly copy it, so we need to be a little bit careful on that, so we'll be as explicit and direct and give you URLs if we can, etc., and also just come back on what we've done that you can already see and how things have been doing for us and talk a little bit about future plans, etc. Obviously, this needs to be a little bit more fuzzy because of... A lot of copycats. We really have a lot of fans, I guess, you know. (laughs) It must be doing something right. It's kind of a game I have. It's like I'm betting with people, like, how many sites would change their theme if I change the theme on health ambition or something, you know. There is, you know, wagers coming in as bets in terms of, like, you know, how many sites we can find that have focus block today that when we change the new branding of health ambition, we'll talk a little bit about that, we'll copy the same theme, essentially. But anyway... Let's not talk about copycat and let's talk about what happened with the H4 launch in May. So what happened? It went pretty well. So, for, I mean, we did a, one of these quarterly updates in, I think it was October last year, talking about our first, what I would say, big launch for H Pro, which happened in September last year. And we followed a somewhat similar structure this time. You know, we had the pre-launch phase where we did a giveaway. We did a like launch magnet-esque uh, blog post, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute, but we ended up actually having to take that down. And then we did like a podcast series, a daily podcast series the week before the launch about growing your site, which I thought uh, actually ended up doing pretty well. So last time we did a, I think it was like two and a half weeks, almost three weeks actually long. It was long, yeah. It was long, yeah. So we drastically cut that down. I think it ended up being nine days or 10 days, something like that this time, which was much more manageable. I would say that it was each day was a little bit more stressful because there was a lot more going on. There's Um, more at stake as well, right? If you only have nine days. Yeah, exactly. uh, You got to... we got to get all the emails going out exactly right. So, you know, there really wasn't too much room for mistake there. And I think largely there may have been one or two minor things we messed up on, but I think largely we did okay. We'd learned from the previous one. We planned out all our emails. We actually had Lewis, one of the authority hacker writers, uh, help Where's us with the reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Help us with those, those emails, which I, I think drastically improved things as well. 
And yeah, just overall went went quite good in that sense. The major changes we had aside from the shorter time was around the different ways we were trying to create scarcity, which is something we don't really get too many opportunities to experiment with and to play around with. It's only really in these these launches just because of the nature of, of, of how we're selling the H-Pro. But what we had found previously, and this is not just in the last launch, but it, you know, going back to almost the very start, is that whenever we have a, a point of scarcity, that is by far like three, four, five times bigger activity in terms of generating sales. So I, I remember two and a half years ago, or however long it was, when we first launched AH-Pro, that the price went up from, it actually only used to be $37 a month. If you a month, yeah. And then it went up to, I think, 48. And even that generated a significant like flurry of, of, of sales. So that's really always been the case. I know some sort of marketers talk about never discounting your product and, and stuff like that. But I mean, it just works. You can still use scarcity for it too, though. Like, it's like you can put scarcity around bonuses. You can put scarcity around availability, etc. Like, you know, the final point of, a, of scarcity for H-Pro, for example, is availability. It's like the price is full at this point, and it's just saying, well, you won't be able to buy it after that. For sure. But you compare the number of people who, who buy, you know, when a bonus is going away or when the product's going away versus when the price is going up, and it's like, yep. it's not even close. This is this has always worked very well for us. So we we didn't really change that that formula um, by having the the early bird phase where the first I think four days, three days, something. People, it was only forty eight hours or something. No, no seventy two. Yeah, I think it was it was like three and a half days, something like that, where people could buy H Pro a discounted price. We actually raised the price from last year, so this discounted price ended up being more or less the full price that people would have paid in the last launch. As we promised, you know, we've always yeah. said like we keep adding content and uh, the price goes up accordingly. So yeah. it's, it's I mean, you know, it's in line with everything we've said essentially. There's more, more blueprints in there. There's also the authority site system, which is our like newbie course. Um, it's like set, set new site course because I, I feel like a lot of people have yeah. built sites before they know about online marketing, but there's still a lot of stuff they can pick up. And actually, like it's an update that I haven't, we don't have in the notes in front of us, but actually for the authority site system, I actually completely out of topic, but I started a website with it. That website now makes $300 to $500 per, per month without ever doing the link building. I literally just do it as a demo site. I did it, like I built the site, that's the course essentially. And did all the keyword research, put all the content up, etc. I think we put like a $1,100 of outsourced content on it. Mm-hmm. And I built it in like a week or something. And now that site makes like $300 to $500 a month actually. So I said, without doing the link building. So like we're actually looking into that right now, but it, this definitely, I think that I'm pretty happy that this random case study I've built in a week is actually quite successful and, and shows the models working very well, even if you don't do half the work actually. Yeah. So, I mean, we added in this course like fully into into the, the offer. So it was almost like a bundle. There's two reasons for that is, well, I guess like the main reason really was that there are a lot of, I'm going to use that term again, newbies buying H-Pro last time. And I would say like a much higher percentage of them refunded versus, you know, experienced people because a lot of the stuff in H-Pro, you, you can't apply immediately unless you already have a site. Um, yeah. So that was also kind of the motivation in creating the course in the first place. So that Also a lot of questions that. in the community. That, yeah. that, you know, the community is like a lot of advanced people. There's people making millions of dollars per year in the H-Pro community, right? And, you know, there would be 
be people coming in asking how to install WordPress. And it was like, well, if that was in a video, you know, people that make that much money, like they don't want to see that in the, as a question all the time. So there's a different community. There's everything. That's why we did that essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the sort of bundling plus the, the price increase plus the early bird, it, it worked really, really well for us. One additional thing which we did is we actually, yourself, me, and uh, one of our guys here in Budapest, John, the three of us manned the um, live chat 24-7 for the whole uh, That was lunch. fun. So we each had an eight-hour shift every day for like a week and a half or nine days, whatever it was. Which, yeah, that was <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> what was your shift? I had the best one, I think, right? I had like 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. or something like that or whatever, like or 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. I think I had the best one. It was, it was 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., which is, okay, you, know, you got to so, get up early, yeah. but actually it was the quietest time, I think, it ended up being, so. Yeah, um, it's like yeah. the night in the U.S., you know? Yeah, yeah. That definitely also made a made a difference for us. When you have a high-ticket item that you're trying to sell, often people will have questions, and even if it's, like, already answered in the sales page, people just want to, like, know that there's someone there and get a bit of reassurance every now and then. Some people have more specific questions, which we, we, we try to answer as best as we can. And that definitely resulted in some kind of increased sales. I mean, and you know, this period, this thing is where I see the value of intercom. We use intercom.io for our live chat. Mm -hmm. And it does a live chat, but it doesn't just do that, right? It's kind of like a customer follow up thing. Like you just have all these questions you've ever had with that person. And when they check out, you see their name appear and everything they put in the checkout form. And, you know, when they ask a question later, you can ask, you can see the question they asked before they bought and so on. It allows us to have like a good follow-up with people and it, the support feels much smoother for everyone. And Intercom is expensive now. I mean, we're lucky we're on like an older plan that doesn't exist anymore, but we still pay like $150 a month, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which is quite a bit of money for a lot of people. But if you are able to man that sales chat during your launches, I mean, like how many times does that pay for Intercom? Like yeah. many, 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 you know? So it's one of these things where, you know, these tools may look expensive and so on. And they are, you know, it's like we're essentially dropping basically two grand a year on that tool. But if you're maximizing that launch period, like, wow, there's a, like, I guarantee you we made five figures from that chat for sure, you know? Sure. Like mid five figures maybe. So, I mean, after the early bird, we kind of had a bit of a conundrum, if you want to call it that, in that, like, because typically what, what we would do is we would do the early bird discount pricing, then raise the price, then add some kind of bonus to which would go away, which would try and get people to buy at the, the regular price. But the truth is we didn't really have a bonus to give away there. We made one for the webinar and then we were like, well... Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So I forgot to say about that. Yeah, so last time, actually, a lot of people were you know, coming to the launch webinar and then... They wouldn't check out immediately. You know, it, it, there wasn't really a lot of sales. I mean, there was a few, but not really immediately around the, the webinar. So we created some time-sensitive incentives, just some extra bonus templates and stuff that we'd, we'd made as a way of kind of expediting the checkout process for, for people who had, had viewed the, the webinar. That did make a difference for sure. Yeah, that did for sure. That's like the biggest jump in webinar performance. Yeah, yeah. So good tip there is if you want to get people to buy immediately at the webinar, have like a you know time expiring bonus that will uh, go away like when you you know two hours after the webinar or when you finish your Q and A or something like that. 
So, yeah, we got out of the early bird. We didn't have any anything to give away as a bonus. So what we actually did was we created a what we termed a fair pricing plan. So typically with payment plans, which are always a good thing to add, you know, we've had internal debates about, you know, should we do this because people can get in and then refund for a low price? And, you know, there's always that. There's always some people that will, will do that. But overall, I think it's been a very much a net positive thing for us to add, add payment plans. So, yeah, basically the thing with the this fair pricing plan is we wanted to offer a payment plan, but not sort of in the early bird phase. But essentially what we're doing is still doing that, even though it's outside of the early bird phase. And it's a, it's a bit of a like mind trick here, I guess, because typically with payment plans, what someone will do is let's say you're selling something for $100. They'll usually do, you know, three payments of $40 or something. So they'll add a 20 to 50. Yeah, I mean, there's also a trend in the industry where people like charge so much more with payment plans right now. People would charge like 60% more for the payment plan. So it's like $100 or three payments of $60 or whatever, like something crazy, right? And so I think that was a bit of a of a wink at the industry as well. It was kind of a, I mean, like, for it, me, it was kind of a joke as well of like, you know, for once we're not the guys that are offering you the payment plan that costs three times more, you know? Well, I mean, that's partially true, but the way I was thinking of it is that's exactly what we were doing. It was just a sort of like stealth way of extending the early bird. If we did offer a payment plan in the early bird, it would have been roughly what we, what we charged for that one. So it's just kind no, of like the, a, the value there, the, the, payment plan discounted was the same price as the regular price yeah but that which was 50 percent more than the early bird yeah so like yeah basically because what you need to explain is that on average a lot of people don't go through the whole payment plan like let's say when we make a, a sale of a payment plan you know realistically the money that comes into our pocket is maybe 50 60 percent of the value of that payment plan because a lot of people drop off Credit cards get cancelled or expire. Yeah. Whatever. A lot. Also, payment plans tend to attract people that are less scrupulous about just like like refunding, essentially. Yeah. All these things make a payment plan sell much less valuable than a regular sell. So yeah. even though the payment plan, it's it's like I think it was like I'm just gonna say something I can't remember exactly. It was one thousand five hundred dollars or three payment of five hundred something like this. And but really, when we make a payment plan sell, probably there's a thousand dollars coming into our pocket, which is the equivalent of the early bird, which was our calculation. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why, and that's the average. Obviously, we're playing the average, but that's why this is still less valuable. But it was a good way to build a time limited incentive that would bring us just as much money as the early bird. So financially, for the company, for us, it's similar to the early bird in terms of revenue the sales get boosted without having to do some kind of like really long time extension or like, you know, these fake things like, oh, by the way, some a lot of people emailed me, so I did 48 hours to the early bird or something. Mathematically, it makes sense. It's essentially an extension of the early bird in terms of financial for the company, but it's a different offer for the user in the sense that they don't have to fork as much cash right away. So you also get to appeal to a different segment of your audience where they are interested, they may be serious, but they're also tight on financials, and that's why they can afford to put a $500 payment, but they could not afford the 1001 So you, you appeal to a different segment. At the same time, the revenues are similar to your early bird, and you get something that excites your audience, and that's, that feels special against just the regular price, essentially. Yeah, and it worked reasonably well for us this time. I think 
comparing to comparing it to uh a, adding a bonus i would say it, w- it was about equal to that in terms of uh I sales it generated. Better, actually uh, um, it was better probably less revenue per sale but i would mm-hmm. say it's still overall a positive yeah and uh, it's worth pointing out as well that after we had the the quote-unquote fair pricing plan we went back to like the non-fair pricing plan as well, if you want to call oh, it. Oh, the that. regular one, essentially. Yeah, yeah. The one the industry uses. Yeah, yeah. So that actually generated a number of sales as well. Like, I mean, it, was, it wasn't nothing. But definitely towards the end of the, the launch, things did slow down a bit. Uh, yeah. I think the pricing plan and the early bird were the, the two things that really did it for us. The hard close at the end did get a few more people once again. But nothing like the flurry of people who came in, you know, in the hours before the the price increased. But like the thing is, like I think the reason why this works that way also is because you actually build your sales not during the launch period, but before, in between. Like we build the sales with these podcasts, we sure. build the sales with our blog posts, etc. People are just waiting; they're on the starting blocks, right? Yep. And as soon as you open it, it's like it's a huge flood, and then obviously, like there's like once all these people have bought, then obviously there's less of an audience that's ready to buy, you know. I think we should wrap it up for the launch because like, it's interesting for us, but I'd like to talk about other things as well that are coming Definitely, up. Definitely, right? yeah. So let's talk about, I have a summer project right now where I'm actually updating HPro. So I'm calling it HPro 2.0. I literally started on a blank WordPress install, so that's the, the scale of renewal we're going through. <laughs> I'm not going to reshoot every video, but I'm going to rewatch everything. Prepare, I'm preparing notes. I'm actually right now doing like big like concepts on my iPad where it's like my idea, which I'm not sure it will be real, but like it's like to have kind of a diagram that you use as a navigation that explains the business model, and you click on a part of it, and you get to a blueprint for it, essentially. But anyway, so there's a new organization. There's HPro 2.0 coming up probably by the next time we launch. And uh, we also have guest content coming to HPro. And one thing that is coming as well is the, um, the single video lessons slash, I'm calling them guides inside the, the new HPro, mm-hmm. which essentially allows us to just add more regular content. Like there's a lot of stuff that, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about, about that later, that I'd love to share, but I am not necessarily confident putting it open on the internet because that could have bad repercussion on the business on the business model. And we're going to talk about the link building example in a, in a second. But these things I'd be happy to share with HPro members. So that's why essentially that's going to be the place for quote unquote premium blog posts slash advanced guides slash, you know, the hacks that if we show everyone are not going to work as well. That's what's going to be in HPro essentially. Yeah, and we're also a little bit cautious. Like normally when you take guest content as a, online mark in the online marketing space it's just basically people writing best, stuff yeah. in order to promote <laughs> themselves but obviously that's not the gonna be the case case here i mean i guess that's gonna happen once or twice people may want to do it but we've actually had like a huge number of our our members uh, who have nothing to promote themselves you know make even like long videos explaining things and like you know yeah. worksheets for people to to use and, and all that kind of stuff which is like definitely deserves to be uh, you know they may share it in the facebook group but definitely deserves like a more permanent place to be be, be shared so this is the kind of, of content we're, we're keen to, to to bring in and i think as well personally i feel like often there's times when there's i discover something really cool and want to share it and maybe will and you know a webinar or in uh, the facebook group or something but because our blueprints have typically been long yeah, it's hard uh, to come things, with something short. Yeah. You know, it feels like you can't really create a blueprint just for this one point that, that may have a, still have a lot of value, but it's not really big enough, if that makes sense. So, 
yeah plus i'm I'm very excited to be moving to a different lms as well yeah i'm already like i mean we, we've set it up for for learn dash right now I'm, I'm playing with it but i'm already working on the content so i'm i'm okay with the tech setup already yeah. that was my first part of the week we're recording on wednesday by the way so yeah the h pro 2.0 is gonna come out in the next launch definitely not the best teaser ever but that is, we're trying to be just honest. Let's talk about H, the H team and the polemical blog post. Then let's talk about our other sites because Autory Hacker is one site, but we actually run other things. So growing the Autory Hacker writing team, we actually have one more writer that you haven't seen anything of except the podcast. He actually does the podcast notes. So he's going to probably write the notes for that one. It's Danny and he is working with me on new types of content. So we're going to work on more like library type content that i call so it's kind of like static content on the site not for the blog right now we're working on a niche research library so you'll be able to go there and then we'll have researched a bunch of niches and there's going to be a bunch of market data all in one place for these niches and you'll be able to check that out so like i know a lot of people struggle to pick a niche we found like affiliate programs for these niches we found sites that do well in these niches etc etc and to complement that we also have Leo is working on site templates. So, <laughs> you know, we talked about copycats and people co- co- changing the theme when we, if we change it on health and mission. Well, we feel like the market is lacking of inspiration in terms of building websites. And, you know, they don't all need to be the same. So, <laughs> Lewis's mission is to essentially go out and build site templates for you. And we're trying to find a way to one-click import them on your site. So you can just buy your hosting account, install a blank WordPress, and then put a plugin in and it install the plugins that we tell you to install. And in one-click, it sets all the settings. The exact same as the demo site. So Lewis is going to be building demo sites that you can use as inspiration as a starting base for your site. And the goal is to also build a library here so that you can, not everyone is running on focus block essentially. And, uh, you know, you can build something that's more tailored to your niche, feels more unique, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's two plans on the content. Obviously, the blog is going to keep going. That's per, uh, Perrin's job, and he's you know working on new blog posts right now. We've talked about this. A big uh, resource post on monetization methods, so that should be interesting. And finally, on the content I wanted to talk about, quote-unquote, polemical blog posts. And we've had one that was definitely all the rage lately. That's the one where we tested link building services. And you followed that from afar, Mark. So what did that look like to you when we released that? So this was like, uh, I was really wasn't here for a lot of the time when that went live or was, or was being researched. So I hadn't even like kind of read it properly by the time it was it went out. And basically, I just saw our Slack exploding by people like <laughs> posting screenshots of other people getting really, really, really mad. And, you know, some maybe were justified, but a lot, I think, of the reactions were... Maybe not quite so, but yeah. Yeah. Let's just explain what the post was. Essentially, what we wanted to do is we wanted to go in your shoes. And, we, you know, a lot of people say they want to outsource thing building. That's a big question we get all the time, right? And we wanted to just take a limited budget. And it was still a budget of $1,000. So, like, it's definitely small for SEO, but it's not. It's big in a lot of people's hands, you know? And so we wanted to just go to different link building companies. And it's not scientific. We bought one link from each, right? So we're not claiming that is a scientific, that is reflective of the pool of what they can produce. And what we wanted to do is just literally just give a customer's experience to these link building services. And we picked five of them. And we paid them good money 
to build links to a site. And most of these links were not very nice, to be honest. And if they were links to my site, I would not be happy. And that's why we ended up not recommending any of them, essentially, and kind of showing why we think a lot of them actually use private blog networks, so like sites they own, or maybe terrible sites that are, you know, guest post farms, that kind of stuff to get your link. So sometimes the metrics look good, but the sites are terrible. In that case, think about it. If someone in Google's office was checking out these links, they would probably not think it's a great link. So, and what happened is, first of all, we made some mistakes. Like one link vendor, uh, Link Love or Love to Link or something, we said they didn't deliver, but actually it seemed like they did and they actually provided proof that the link was live. So we did edit that and we were very careful to many times say we made that mistake. And that is our fault that we did not report on that, even though, I mean, we checked the email that we bought the link with and we never saw the email. So still, it may be our fault. It may be our email server that was an issue, that had an issue or whatever. I don't want to put that on them. Anyway, the work was done. The link was still not that great, to be honest. It was, you know, it was not great. I would not want that to my site, to be honest. But a lot of link sellers got really mad. And we have a big responsibility when we do these kind of posts because, you know, we can make or break a business. I'm not saying that we're like that big, but there's a lot of people that have link building budgets that listen to a podcast and read a blog or whatever. And also, you know, the blog do tend to does tend to rank for keywords that would be related to that and so on that could have a long-term impact on a business. So we need to be very careful, especially for the legit people. But also, we try to be on the side of the readers here. And we don't want the readers to essentially get their money taken for low-quality services sold as high-quality by unscrupulous companies. And we felt it's not always the case that these companies are like that, but we did feel like, you know, looking at the amount of money that was spent and looking at the results, there is better ways of doing things. Now, the link builder, the link sellers were like, well, you say that because that's your interest, because you want to sell Authority Hacker Pro and you want people to do their own link building, right? To this, I reply... If you look at the example of content creation, we are recommending vendors. Like we are recommending several, we're recommending people use FroBlogger. We use TextBroker in many cases. We recommend people, uh, like we've used also several agencies that we've been happily recommending. And you know, they're all over the site, right? And they, they've, they've gotten decent business from that. And we haven't taken a cent from that, right? It's not even like we're trying to make money out of that because we feel that would maybe be a little bit biased. And so, I'm telling you, the HPro members are, would love to find a partner that can do all their link building in a legit way at a fair price. And recommending it would probably not affect our bottom line. It's like a lot of people come for our systems not to just learn how to build links, etc. There are other places where you can learn to build links. I mean, Brian Dean selling way more link building courses than we do. And I would happily recommend a great vendor. The problem is this does not exist in our eyes, or at least we haven't found it, or it's very expensive. There are really good agencies, but you know, you need at least a five grand a month budget or something. But yeah, they can do the job. If you have that budget, it can be interesting. So overall, that was my reply. And in the future, we need to be very careful and maybe a little bit more scientific in the way we do this. Like the goal of this was stated to not be scientific, to just be, we are a customer, here is what we got but like people got a little bit mad. I didn't even email that blog post to the list because it already has like 75 comments of massive drama and so on. So if you, if you love soap opera, I recommend you read the comment section of that article. 
yeah, that's basically what happened with that blog post. That was an interesting experience for sure, especially as I was traveling on a very bad 3G connection, actually. I think as well, when you're doing comparisons between like multiple services, like like the same way, you know, if a tech blog was reviewing, you know, Samsung Galaxy versus iPhone, like you really need to be quite careful in the way you um, compare the two, like so that you're comparing them fairly. Um, Not because it's like being disingenuous to the consumer not to do that. I I don't think that was our, our intention at all. More just because the people who run those services are, are going to get way more riled up if you're if you're not seen to be you know just white yeah, as white yeah. impartial so yeah. to be honest we're like no. like we don't really have a horse in the game as i said like yeah it's we're not getting paid by any link vendor and actually we've recommended none of them <laughs> yeah. so it's not even like it was biased to like make one look good and say the other ones are bad or something like no it's just like we just try we're pretty demanding in everything we do and uh, I think that's why a lot of people like what we do, because we try to be quite square in how we do things. And yeah, this just didn't go past our threshold. No drama, but I wouldn't use these companies. That's it. And that's why people already decide to get our opinion, you know? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about health ambition a little bit, right? Um, All right. I think we haven't, I mean, we gave an update like three months ago. So health ambition is doing pretty well, actually, right now. The revenue is pretty strong. It's one of the strongest it's ever been, actually. Uh, the traffic went down a bit. Uh, actually, if you put in Ahrefs, you'll see the organic traffic went down a bit. But this is traffic mostly to pages that were not monetized. They were like info pages. So like the like Apple side of vinegar keywords, stuff like that, which did drive a lot of traffic, but that traffic's not extremely valuable. So we did lose a little bit of ad revenue, but our affiliate revenue is up a lot. So it, it more than made up for it. We are, according to Ahrefs, in the top, 90,000 most popular sites on the interwebs. So that's always good. That's good. As I said earlier, the design is pretty bad. It needs to be redone. The branding, it's old now. The navigation, I've, I've tweaked it a bit just so that every page is a little bit faster to access, but it still needs a big revamp. But we're actually going to be re-angling the domain, right? We're going to be refocusing it just on nutrition weight loss. So we're going to cut down the rest and probably move that content somewhere else. Well, we haven't decided yet, but it's going to be rearranged, essentially. And as we re-angle the domain to be more niche down, essentially, then the new navigation, new design, new branding, and maybe content trimmed down a bit is going to come up, essentially. I think overall, the site is maybe just a little bit too broad in our sort of ambition with it, no pun intended. Covering health, there's so many different subcategories of, of, of health that, and we had so many different pieces of content which covered them all. It became quite sort of messy to, you know, even things like run email lists and, you know, even find affiliate offers and stuff. Um, it's, it's possible. But when you spread yourself too thin, like I think we probably did recently with that, that a lot of the stuff there becomes, you know, not so effective. So, like five yeah. percent of your email is, or ten percent care about what you say in that one email, etc. It's just yeah, yeah, not ideal. So that's why we're gonna. And, just and you know, just to caveat that, there are ways to sort of tag people differently, and you know, ha- run multiple pop-ups and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's true. We we have been doing that to an extent, but it kind of does become quite messy quite quickly, and you can end up with sort of some categories or areas of the site which are you know huge, and others which are just tiny and not really worth it to spend too much time working on when they're in that state, I guess. So. Yeah, it's definitely going to be easier to just niche down and say, okay, we're weight loss, and that's it, you know. 
so that is the plan. We actually have a bunch of new sites that we have launched slash we are launching as well. Yeah, so that's uh, been a, that's been an interesting kind of learning experience again, sort of doing it from scratch with like all the experience we've we've gained in the last few years. I would say like the biggest sort of mistake we made of these sites, one in particular, was not hiring an editor fast enough. I think basically every new site I start now, that's probably going to be the the first person we hire, uh, an editor. And it's just really important to sort of ensure quality is there and from the start and, and is maintained. I've actually learned a lot about content editing recently. I didn't even know there's all these kind of different styles about, you know, where do you put your this extra comma, the Oxford comma, I think they call it. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, a bunch of other things you would, you would never, at least I never thought of, which, you know, there are mistakes we make on all, all our other sites, but just having this, this one editor who, who had a ton of experience in... Uh, She's like a real yeah. editor, right? Yeah. That's her job. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's been quite insightful and that's definitely going to help us stay on top of our game with, with content quality from now on. But, you know, essentially the mistake we made there was we hired a writer. The writer wrote 30, 40 articles and then the editor came on board and then we actually had to go back <laughs> and rewrite most of them. So kind of lost a fair amount of time with, with that. But I think sort of overall, it just feels really sort of good and like to have these really well-structured, well-thought-out sites that we kind of know almost exactly what we're doing with them rather than just a, yeah. a messy thing like health ambition initially it feels much it. different it feels much closer to atari hacker than health ambition disney sites let's just yeah. say that yeah like yeah. all the people that know our sites it's like it's it feels it's very anchored in reality you know you'd have photos of the real thing or screen captures or whatever like everything's gonna be like very practical at the same time, like written in an actionable way. Yeah, really aiming for sort of A plus content as well, not just to do as good as our competition, but to do better than them. I think that's kind of the mentality there. So, like, we're definitely, but we are on our track, like, to have a bunch of new sites getting started. Actually, the test site is definitely going to be one of the pool as well. We need to scale up. But uh, as I said, that site, without the link building, like, like $300, $500 a month now without us really like literally i've touched this site for a week and never touched it since then yeah so it's very promising if we work a little bit on it and yeah actually one thing i'm doing as well right now is i'm actually um building facebook pages for these sites and there will probably be a blueprint in in hpro eventually but like some of them are extremely engaged and everything and i think there'll be great assets to establish ourselves as a as an authority like you know to show people when we are rich etc but also to just get like a real community around these sites. And that's pretty exciting, actually. And, uh, and the cost is all right. It's really not that bad. So I'm, uh, I'm very excited to do that because when you just do SEO, it can be hard to like crystallize a community around your site. But with Facebook, people like your page and you know, engage again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And you can reach them back with like very little money. So yeah, altogether. And, and more, most importantly, you can give a lot of social proof to your content with these share buttons, having a lot of likes and shares, etc. Yep. So yeah, that part is also pretty exciting for the new sites. As as we we in general, we tend to niche down a bit more these days than we used to. These communities tend to be more alive as they're more niche down. Actually, mm-hmm. let's talk about link building. Yeah, Again. link building's dead. Long live link building. The SEO is dead, guys. We forgot to mention that at the beginning of the podcast. No. You can tune off. So something we've noticed a lot 
recently, particularly in the last sort of two months, is uh, a lot of the link building tactics we'd been using up until then, which were very effective. We've written about them. We've blogged about them. Some of them are in HPro as well. One in particular, sort of based on Brian Dean's skyscraper model, but a little bit tweaked. A little bit. Yeah, it's just not really working very well at all anymore. I mean, it still gets the job done, but it's not really the golden goose that I think it used to be. I can only suspect that the reasons for that are that so many people are doing it. The reason I know so many people are doing it is because on many of our sites, including Health Ambition, we get so many people emailing us with you know our, own, template. our <laughs> own templates, which are in Authority Hacker Pro. We made it really so very clear in the in those like, hey, you know, these are the sort of base templates. Don't use them. Everyone else is going to be using them because they're you know the standard ones. Spend five minutes like uh, tweaking them and editing them, and you'll you'll get much better results. But thus far, I haven't really seen many people do that. I think probably seventy five percent of the these types of emails I get are the exact same template. And sometimes That's we the template I wrote just sitting at my desk. Like yeah. there was no science to it back then, really. It was just uh, like oh, I'm trying. <laughs> that that, that makes it laugh, see actually. what happens. It's not as like the idea of that template was actually to make people test the template, so not give them an exact tested template. You know? Yeah, it's not and as if we had been running A/B tests for years on it or anything. It was, there was no testing done on that, really. There was a little bit. Like I did run it for like a little bit. It was working. Yeah, but no solid A/B testing. You you did. No, it worked. Yeah. Yeah, but it makes me laugh now when I receive that template like ten times in a day or something. Yeah. To be honest, it makes me reconsider a bit, like sharing some stuff as well, just because I just feel the SEO community will never wise up. You know. Yeah, I Uh, mean, I, I talked about this before. I forget where it was, but there's kind of this mentality of like SEO being the successive series of races to the bottom so it's like whenever there's a a technique to gain traffic or gain links then people will employ that and then when you have a lot of people working on it then inevitably it becomes more efficient and then people find ways to automate parts then someone finds a way to automate the whole thing and then before you know it it's just like one click does everything but like in a really sort of spammy way. And then sooner or later, you know, it just dies either because people stop responding to it or because Google takes takes action on it, which was, I think, the case in the guest posting or the old style, you know, guest yeah. posting, which wasn't really guest posting, but like guest posting farms. So, yeah, that's definitely something that, that's been on our radar over the last couple of months. And we've had to actually start diversifying our sort of our the way we do link building quite significantly now which to be honest it was almost too easy the the old way but i think because it's a little bit more difficult now and so many people are doing it i think diversifying things out and looking for more tactics and diversifying the way we actually do outreach for example will be beneficial for for everyone because i i did feel it was sort of getting a little bit too spammy you know even before people started automating it so yeah yeah oh well such is life but um yeah it's just sad that people uh, just don't wise up like they make the same mistakes again and again oh well i guess we have a question from a listener yeah so i mean that's basically all we got to say about in the, the the quarterly update if you guys have any questions though about our business about you know these launches about what's going on with our, our sites we'll hopefully try and get these included in the next quarterly update which we're doing 
roughly three months time. Or if you have a question, you know, any kind of question about SEO, about authority sites, about any kind of online marketing, then you can go to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask. And you can either send us a, a text question or you can actually record your, your voice and, and send us an audio question. We'll play it out on air. So that's authorityhacker.com slash ask. Today's question comes from Ivan. And he's asking, what is your take on rank tracking tools? Are these of any value when managing an authority site? I would not track every ranking of every page. That's just like too much. I usually track the pages that uh, I work on, you know? Mm-hmm. So say you're gonna like you're gonna do link building for a page or something like that. Then I like to put to snap them in a rank tracker. I use the one in Ahrefs because we have Ahrefs. They're actually working on a new version that's gonna come up soon that has a lot of more stuff. Right now it's pretty basic, but it works. Mm-hmm. And so like you know when I run tests, maybe like you change your title, you reoptimize on page, etc. I like to snap pages in in rank trackers just to see the evolution. Overall, like improve my understanding and how what I do impacts the rankings. You know. But in terms of like making broad decisions for your site, not really. It's like I use analytics a lot more and like traffic to landing page and that kind of stuff because your pages, they get traffic from thousands of keywords, right? So you're not going to track that. You're going to track like one main keyword maybe. But to be frank, that's just even that main keyword is like less than 10% of the potential traffic, even if you rank number one. So it's not really reflective of the traffic you're going to get. Plenty of pages we have don't rank for their main keyword, but still get hundreds of visits per month from Google and they're very profitable. So yeah, once again, use the rank tracker mostly punctually to kind of like measure the effect of things you do to improve your ranking. So when you work on your SEO, you worked on that page, boom, you snap it in the rank tracker, check a month later, and you get a good idea of whether what you did worked and you should do more of it or it's not worth it. So that's the only case in which I use a rank tracker. If you have a, something else to add, go ahead. Yeah, I would say it's more a kind of one metric to kind of sort of consider. Uh, a lot of people, certainly even us, like back in the day, rank tracking was everything. And, you know, we really cared, you know, if something moved from position three to position four, that was like a disaster. But these days, it's more of a kind of, uh, because so much traffic's a long tail and the main keyword you're, you're going for is not really quite so important in that sense. So, And also the accuracy of the tools in rank tracking can be quite varied, you know, depending on location, time of day, you know, things can and do jump around a, a, a lot. And some of the tools out there are, are, I would say, more accurate than others. So, you know, take everything with a, a grain of salt. And yeah, your analytics is probably, as you said, Gail, much more trustworthy kind of source to make base hard decisions on but also it's it's fine to to use a rank tracking tool especially if you have like we do the href subscription you know it comes with a rank tracker so you might as well kind of use it even though i will say it's pretty bad sort of user interface and stuff at the moment they are redoing yeah. it completely actually so yeah. it would be, i've seen some screenshots it looks pretty good actually cool so uh, let's see you know the keyword tool was terrible initially yeah. <laughs> and now it's the best in the market so you know i trust them let's see what they come up with though maybe we'll uh, post a video when we when it drops or when they give us better access cool. sometimes we get all right, cool. Well, that's basically for our podcast. So, guys, we'll see you next week, hopefully, if Mark survives that festival. And uh, have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.